Hey, welcome to Exposed Conferences Season 2. I'm your host, Christina Danielle. Thank you for tuning into the podcast where we are going to be exposing the current trends, challenges, and the future of conferences. As well, I'll be having candid conversations with industry experts that will elevate your events and help you create partnerships that expand beyond the calendar year. I'm really happy to have you listening today, and I hope you benefit from today's episode as well as future episodes. Some say fun and law can't coexist, but that means they haven't met Annette Stefania, a real lawyer who makes the law practical, approachable, and dare we say it, even a little fun. Not only can she lay down the law, but Annette equips other creative professionals and small business owners with the legal and business knowledge needed to confidently start and grow their businesses. Committed to making legal information accessible for small business owners and entrepreneurs, Annette founded Your Legal BFF, your go-to online bestie, for easy-to-understand and industry specific contract templates and trainings. Through your legal BFF products, one-on-one services, and the Office Talk podcast, Annette combines her passion for law and small business to help entrepreneurs protect their business baby. Annette, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Right now, event organizers and planners are trying to figure out what to do as events are being canceled and postponed or even turning virtual. And one of the biggest items they are currently being tasked with is going through their event contracts, which is such a large task. Event cancellation policies are often really complex and sometimes confusing. And so I really appreciate your time today as we navigate this topic and hopefully answer many of the questions our listeners are being faced with. Well, I'm excited to be here. I wish it was under, you know, happier circumstances, but let's do what we can to hopefully clear up the confusion for folks. So this is something that I'm currently being faced with. I know a lot of other event organizers are being faced with as their conferences, as their events are being canceled and postponed. And so what would you say the initial step an organizer should take when it comes to reviewing or even discussing the contract with their clients? Well, I just want to remind folks before we get started that what we're going to be talking about today is really just for their kind of background and educational purposes. Obviously, I don't have the benefit of, you know, checking out people's contracts and whatnot and sitting here in the format like this. So if people do have specific questions, please, please, please always contact a lawyer in the state, in the jurisdiction in which you're operating your business or you're having these events to really advise you and guide you and give you specific information about how to proceed. So hopefully you have a copy of a signed copy of your contract somewhere that sometimes trips people up to begin with, like they don't have a system and they're like, I can't even find a signed copy. But assuming you have that squared away, you want to take a look through it and take a look at any provisions regarding rescheduling, postponements, cancellation? What does it look like if someone wants to terminate an an agreement? So maybe the client just wants to stop working with you altogether or vice versa. Kind of want to look at kind of the icky stuff, you know, the stuff that we don't like to think about when we first enter into a contract, which is how is the relationship potentially going to end? You want to take a look at, you know, any kind of dispute resolution clauses. Should this, should a potential conflict escalate? What is the remedy? How are we going to go about resolving it? And then as well as a force majeure clause, which I know people have been talking a lot about in these days of COVID-19. But you kind of just want to get a lay of the land of like, okay, what did we agree to, you know, so many months or years before about what's going to happen if either kind of the the bargain changes, right? Meaning that, okay, this event that was supposed to happen in March is now going to potentially happen in September. Or if we have a change of heart for whatever reason, what is the policy that we're going to follow? 
you know, a lot of times event planners have booked their venues or, you know, made these contract agreements sometimes up to five years ago or even longer than that. And, you know, normally when we book an event, we're not thinking about the cancellation. Maybe we'll be looking at our contracts more frequently too. (laughs) Maybe not waiting so long in between events. And I know that seems a little bit silly, but just, you know, you never know. It might, you know, not be a bad time, even if you have an event, you know, a year or two out from now, it might not be a bad idea to just go back and and look at those too. Yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised how many people don't know what their contract says. (laughs) Come on, (laughs) let's do it. You can read it. It's not that bad. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. So we've heard the term force majeure. Can you kind of talk us a little bit about that and how that differs from somebody not being able to fulfill the agreement for the contract? Yeah. So force majeure clauses are generally kind of what, you know, you'll find them kind of in those like boilerplate provisions, usually at the end of the contract. And it's the stuff that like people just want to delete sometimes because they're like, it takes up so much space and it looks like so scary, you know? But this is why we put them in there is for situations like this that we can't anticipate anticipate always if five years ago, like maybe we weren't thinking about some of these situations. So a force majeure clause is basically something that says that if you and I enter into a contract and for some reason, if either of us cannot fulfill our promises, right? For example, I can't get on a plane to come to Washington DC to plan your conference because I don't know, all the airlines have are not flying, right? So there's something, something happens that's outside of my control that prevents me from performing my part of the contract. A force majeure clause says that I can, I will be excused. So I won't quote unquote, get in trouble by you. You can't come and say, Annette, wait a minute, you didn't fulfill your part of the contract, you know, and therefore you're in breach. So technically you can't say that because the reason why I couldn't perform was because it was this circumstance, this situation that was completely outside of my control. So oftentimes a force majeure clause will have like this like litany of potential events, like, I don't know, acts of God and, you know, acts of terrorism and weather and things like that. And then a list, there are these types of circumstances that prevent one party from fulfilling their obligations other under the contract. And again, it's going to be different in each contract, but essentially it says either they're excused from performing it, or, you know, it might give them a certain period of time in which to remedy the situation, or there, there might be certain conditions depending on how your force majeure clause is drafted. So that's how force majeure is. It's basically this outside event, nobody has control over prevents me from doing what I promised to do. But then when it comes to like a cancellation, that's just like a kind of a run of the mill cancellation, meaning that I'm, you know, I'm your client, I don't want to do this event anymore. And I come to you and I say, I want to cancel the contract. That's different, because I have control over that. Like, it's not like some event has taken place that prevents me from holding this conference or this event. It's just I as the client have decided now I don't want to do it anymore. So different parts of the contract will govern how those situations are dealt with. So does COVID-19 fall within the current force majeure clause? It's a great question. And that's why everybody's had all these conversations. So it's going to depend on how your force majeure clause is drafted. Again, most of the ones I tend to see say, you know, they'll have like this like litany of just like potential potential events, force majeure events, like the, you know, wildfires, embargoes and labor strikes, just all this whole list. So 
there is the argument that if you don't specifically say, you know, something like a pandemic or something that would fall, you know, would encompass COVID-19, an epidemic or some sort of communicable disease, you know, transmission or whatever, there is the argument that COVID-19, you know, obviously specifically is not going to be mentioned, but that kind of category of injury or event is not mentioned that therefore the force measure clause doesn't apply. But I think it's going to be a little hard to make that argument <laughs> in if you're in court. But you know, most lawyers will, will make their, their best attempt to make any argument they can. So it's going to depend on what your contract says, essentially, even if you don't have a force majeure clause, there are other doctrines that we use in the law uh, when it comes to contracts. So things like frustration of purpose or impossibility or impracticability. So those are different doctrines that, you know, lawyers will rely on in making their arguments that, hey, even though, you know, there isn't a force majeure clause or even assuming COVID-19 doesn't fall within the scope of this force majeure clause in this contract, there are these other concepts that we will say hey, these should apply because the purpose of this contract was for us to have this event at this hotel and this hotel is no longer open or has burned down or whatever. So the purpose of the contract has been frustrated. You know, like the whole point was to have it at this hotel, for example. And so without that hotel, there's no reason for us to have this contract, right? So therefore, we should be excused from our responsibilities. So it's a really long, convoluted answer to say that it depends on what your contract says. And even if you don't necessarily have the exact language or there's an argument that maybe COVID-19 doesn't apply, there are other concepts and legal doctrines that you can always attempt to argue to your benefit, hopefully. When we're thinking about the contract, in what ways do you see force majeure change to include things like a pandemic? I mean, I think if A, if you don't have a force majeure clause, put one in there. <laughs> but B, yeah, you want to encompass things like this pandemic, maybe not specifically COVID-19, but something some version of this in the future. So I think it's it's wise to put that language in there. And then the thing about, you know, the drafting the force majeure clause is again because you're specifically listing out potential types of force majeure events, we can only anticipate, right? So much, you know? And so there's the argument that if it's not specifically included, then the force majeure clause doesn't apply if that 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 type of event comes up. So then you want to have some sort of a phrase or a catch-all that would encompass, you know, any, any other type of potential kind of force majeure event, like whether or not it's specifically listed. Yeah, those are all great tips. In the event that somebody is going through this, what kind of financial fallout can someone expect with the cancellation of an event contract? Yeah, I mean, from a, the planner's perspective, a lot of what we're seeing is unfortunately people's cash flow has, you know, completely dried up, you know, if they're kind of they're small business owners, or they're in, in, you know, they're not working as part of a corporation. But on both sides, from let's say, like the service provider side, if an event gets canceled, they're probably not going to be getting some of their fees. Again, depends on what your contract says, but that's kind of where the, the argument's going to be between the client and the service provider is, you know, the client's going to argue, well, there's no event happening. <laughs> um, I shouldn't have to pay you. And then the, the planner or service provider is going to argue, well, you should be paying me because this was outside of my control and under the contract, you know, like, again, depends on what it is. So I think there's going to be that issue of just like people getting paid or not getting paid. There's going to be the issue of with paying out vendors, right? It's not just like the event planner is being impacted or the client that's being impacted. It's all the other contractual commitments you've made. And that's what's just so 
kind of profound about this experience is that it's a true like domino effect. You know, if you have people who are coming to the conference, you know, um, like they're going to probably want refunds on their tickets or something, right? Whether it's postponed or whatnot, and they're traveling in, you know, they don't necessarily want to hold on to a ticket or a conference seat if they don't know when the event's going to happen. So that's kind of like the immediate, you know, like potential repercussions. But then, you know, obviously, if things escalate, if let's say a planner feels like, no, I should be paid, and the client feels like they don't, they shouldn't be for whatever reason, there's a potential of, you know, lawsuits and whatnot happening for people to recover what they feel is rightfully theirs. Yeah. Oh my goodness. As you mentioned, you know, kind of the domino effect, just the amount of people that this is affected, just, you know, not only just across the board in different industries, but just in the event industry alone, if you think of the vendors and the venue contracts and then attendee contracts and the exhibitor and sponsor contracts, there's so many contracts, just the verbiage that we use in all of them are so different. And obviously we try to protect the stakeholders in these different scenarios. And then ourselves from any repercussions that it could have on us. What are some things are you seeing on your side as far as like your clients coming to you who are asking for assistance with all the various contracts that they're sort of piling through right now? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, oh my gosh, like I need to update my contract because I want to be protected should something like this ever happen again. So that's a big thing. I think people are really to your point, what you said earlier, you know, I always talk about like contracts are kind of like relationships, you know, like in the beginning, you're like dating, and you're so excited. And you're like, you got the like job, you know, and you're like, this is awesome. But like, you know, most relationships, like they end, you know, whether it's like on good terms or bad terms. So you want to think through the quote, unquote, breakup. And so I think people are really being intentional about that now and really paying attention to, well, what happens if we need to break up? What happens if, even if we're not breaking up, but we're like postponing an event, a lot of people are thinking about, okay, well, under what conditions do I postpone? Because the folks that I tend to work with, they don't have the benefit of working for a big corporation, right? So they need the cash flow coming in. Like if they're not working, they're not making money. And so just thinking through all of those things, thinking about what's the added cost if I do postpone? What if this keeps going on? Like we're living in such a bubble right now <laughs> that we don't know like when will events happen again? So that's a lot of what people are coming in asking about. And then unfortunately you have every, I think everybody's have, having at least one or two clients who, you know, want all of their money back or want more than what the service provider feels they're entitled to. So there's a little bit of that of like, how do you deal with that? How do you navigate that kind of a relationship? How do you maybe A, preserve that relationship if you can, or maybe just terminate it? And this is new for everybody, but then also kind of working to a certain extent inside of a vacuum because we we're, it is still so uncertain and trying to do the best we can. So much of a lawyer's job is to anticipate risk and have a plan for that. And we do that by way of hopefully having terms in your contract. So trying to really tighten that stuff up in light of this new issue that's come up. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's already so many events that have been canceled and then some in the midst of being canceled. What about those events that are taking place in the next few months and towards the end of the year? Can they go back with their contract to those different partners that they have 
and make changes now with certain language and conditions that will assist them in the event that they do need to cancel later down the road. Yeah. So the way you make, so if you have a currently signed contract, right, it hasn't been terminated. It's like active contract to say this, you know, so to speak, the way you address any changes for an existing contract. So one that is currently, you know, it's signed, you know, in process is by way of an amendment. And usually that amendment needs to be acknowledged and signed by both parties. So what you would do is hopefully if you are reaching out, let's say to your vendors or your sponsors, and you've reached some sort of an agreement with them regarding future cancellations or future postponements, what you would do is you would do it by way of an amendment and you would ask them to sign as, and you would sign it. And then that, that amendment becomes part of the contract. So anytime you review the contract, you would have that amendment there with it and you would read it collectively to identify the new terms of the contract. So you can't just make changes, you know, on your own to an existing signed contract, usually you have to have the consent or the acknowledgement of the other party. And I would assume that a lot of people are probably doing that or trying to do that right now if they were to have an event in the year. Yeah, I mean, that's what I've been telling people is let's say you are postponing, you want to amend your contracts, right? You want to put the new event date, you know, maybe there's a new payment schedule, maybe you've agreed that they're going to pay a certain percentage if, if maybe it wasn't already in your original contract, like they're going to pay a certain percentage fee for the postponement, you put all of that in there so that it's documented. I just got an email from somebody today where she told them over the phone that it's going to be a 15% more to postpone. And then, you know, she didn't get it in writing right away, but she started doing kind of work to help them postpone it. And then now that she's kind of gone back and asked them to sign it, they're saying no, right? And so in the meantime, she's done that work to postpone. So the preferred method would have been that as soon as she said that, she got them to sign it. And then only then she started doing the work to postpone the event. So now she's in a situation where they don't want to pay that extra percentage. And she doesn't know what to do, how to handle it. But look, we're all doing the best we can here. <laughs> like it's, it kind of came in as like a real shock for people. I remember that those first few weeks, just like people were just in such a state of panic, understandably so. So everybody's just trying to do their very best and figure it out. And I think that's important to, to keep in mind. In folks who are doing, you know, conferences where you hopefully are doing these year over year, you also want to remember the value of these relationships. It's one thing I could say if, you know, you just do an event and you move on. But like if you're constantly working with these vendors or these sponsors or these, you know, exhibitors or whatnot, or even just these attendees, like you want to do the best you can to try and be as fair as possible all around. But then you know, preserve that relationship. Absolutely. I mean, that's one thing I know that we've talked about a lot in just our relationships is trying to figure out ways to work with them. And what are some things that we can do during this time? Everybody's going through the same thing. Everybody's trying to navigate the best they can with our attendees and our exhibitors who are looking to cancel? Can we transfer their funds to 2021? And if they need need us to refund for whatever reason, some of them don't know whether or not they will be able to attend in 20 in 21. So trying to figure out ways to work with them in in refunding and not being so stuck on on the cancellation policy, because we want to continue to build those relationships. Yeah, I mean, I think look, it's it's tough. I think everybody is gonna lose something in this whole process, hopefully not a lot. It's it's like, on the one hand, you don't want to just have people take advantage of you and like walk all over you and you just like give everything away, you know, but on the other hand, like you're saying, or like we're talking about is, 
is you want to be in it for the long game, right? Like you want to have that foresight of, okay, once we get through this and we will, what is it going to look like? several years out. And I think you sow those seeds today. One thing that that kind of brings to mind for me is so as we're communicating with anybody, whether it's through email or through written documentation, you know, a lot of times when I'm writing to someone, I'm really being conscious of what I'm writing in those communications. Is there specific language or (laughs) basically like a blanket statement that we should be saying so that we don't say something to a stakeholder, to a partner that might later In terms of specific language, I mean, again, that's just going to be such on a case by case basis. But I think it's just about don't promise something you can't deliver on. So if the answer is I don't know, like, or if you know, we don't know yet, like we're still figuring it out, then just leave it at that. I think it's about managing expectations as much as you can. If you make a promise, and then you can't follow through on it for whatever reason. So let's say you say, Oh, we're going to have the event at the end of May. And then Oh, well, you know, the shelter in place just got extended to the end of May. I think uh, you just don't want to be held to deliver on something you've promised. And then it just then you have to go back and say, Oh, sorry, or someone else might hold you to that. So I think just it goes back to the fact that we're just like operating in such a state of uncertainty. And if you're, you're uncertain, just be careful about any kind of absolute statements you make any promises or expectations you set with the people that you're working with, so that it doesn't later, you don't later have to either rescind it or basically step back from it. Just again, manage expectations. Yeah, that's a great point. Is there anything else as we're going through our contracts that we haven't really touched on? I mean, I think, I mean, we talked a lot about the specific kind of clauses. I do think it's important to almost take a step back and like look at your business in a way of, okay, should something like this happen again and see, okay, well, what what can I learn from this experience so that I can better maneuver through something like this again, should I need to in the future? And that just might mean making like policy changes, you know, maybe you require uh, more money, you know, initially, like in terms of a deposit or a retainer, maybe you require, you know, consistent monthly payments versus like, I know some people will like batch it out into like three or four payments over the course of the contract term. Maybe it's your, maybe some people just change the type of clients they work with, right? Like, you know, this is the time like, okay, I need to work with people with X dollars in a budget for whatever reason. So I think before that, before we dig into the nitty gritty, that perspective would really help you and it will inform the changes you make. But definitely anything that's related to the end of a relationship, kind of the change in the nature of the relationship, you know, how disputes would be resolved. I think a lot of people ignore that. They just kind of fill it in with something. But like, what if, you know, there is a big fight over this contract? Do I want to have that resolved in court and through mediation, through arbitration? Do some research in, in your area to figure out, well, what does that look like for me? Like, what would be the cost associated with that? You know, I always say you want to expect the best but plan for the worst so you don't want to go obviously you don't want to lose sleep over it but it's a useful exercise to do I I say at least on an annual basis if not more frequently. Oh my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you've given us so much helpful information today. And so I really appreciate your time today. And it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. Well, thank you for having me. This is a tough time. I get it. It, You know, we're all going through it in our own version of it. But I think it's a good pause for all of us to take to kind of 
reevaluate things and to walk into the next chapter of this, like better kind of with that perspective and identifying what our values are. Thank you for listening to Exposed Conferences Podcast. Be sure to check out the website at exposedconferencespodcast.buzzsprout.com for more information on today's speaker. And if you have something that you'd like to share with us, be sure to leave a comment on the website as well. Thank you for listening to Exposed. Tune in every Tuesday to hear a new episode and join in on the conversation at Exposed Conferences Podcast. Podcast.buzzsprout.com.